Okay. So here we are on Wednesday. So we have a a long piece of Tanya of beginning the first half of chapter 51. Now chapter 51, 52, and 53, the last three chapters of Lukut Amarim, are really one unit, meaning we're starting with an overarching question that we're going to ultimately be able to resolve after we finish all three chapters. So we have here actually a series of three questions, questions within questions within questions. The essence question, so to speak, that we'd like to understand is, if we reference back to the Yunuka, the Yunuka is the child in the Zoha, that we quoted a very, very long piece of the Yunuka's writing, of what the Yunuka said in chapter 35 of Tanya, where we discussed the concept of the advantage or the need for mitzvah Mysias specifically to create Hashras Hashchina, to create the divine presence resting on the thing, the person, the body, doing the act of the mitzvah. So the Anuka is there in this, for Tanya, relatively long quote from the Zohar. The Anuka is there, is creating a whole metaphor of the wick, the flame, the oil, and explaining that to maintain the flame of God's presence on the wick of the body, one needs the oil of action mitzvah. And the whole chapter then develops this idea of the significance of action mitzvahs specifically for the rest of the divine presence. So the question is, why is the Anuka using oil as this metaphor for action mitzvahs? When traditionally, that's not what oil represents. It represents wisdom, which in turn means nullification to God. So that question we're raising, and we're going to answer, I think, in chapter 53. In order to answer that question, the Rebbe says, we really need to understand something else, which we spend a lot of time in the next chapters discussing, which is what does it mean God's presence resting on something? Meaning, the Yanuka is discussing action mitzvahs to bring down God's presence resting, what we call Hashra Sashrina. What does that mean? Truly, God's everywhere. We know that. We believe that. But if we know and believe God is everywhere, how can we point to a certain location and say that is where God rests. Like, for example, how can we say God rests in the temple or in the Holy of Holies? What do you mean? God is truly found everywhere. So how is this possible? In order to understand that question, which we spend a long time discussing, we're going to look at ourselves and understand something in ourselves because God's big. It's very hard to directly understand his working, and it's easier for us to look at ourselves and understand ourselves and knowing that we are made in God's image by understanding the dynamics of our own spirituality, we can then extrapolate and understand how God works. So our question, again, we just said is, how can we give God a specific place? He is found here, like for example, he is found in the temple, when we know he's everywhere. And in order to understand that, 
What we're going to focus on now in the first half of chapter 51, the portion of today, is understanding our soul's relationship to the body. And basically, to summarize, because it's a long piece, the Rebbe explains that our soul has three levels of relationship to the body. On the first level, when the soul enters the body, and again, we're understanding this because there's a verse that says, from my flesh I will perceive God. So if I understand my spiritual workings, I'm going to extrapolate to his. So on the highest level, when the soul first enters the body, the soul equally penetrates every cell in the body and equally cannot be experienced by anything in the body. Meaning the soul is so high, far higher than anything the body can relate to. So she's in the body, theoretically vivifying the body, but really being so high that there can't, there's not even a relationship here. The body can't even absorb what the soul is trying to give the body because the soul is too high. So then the soul has to minimize herself. After this minimization, she is expressed. The initial expression of the soul in the body is in the brain. Now, again, remember, first the soul is found throughout the entire body. In your toes and in your hair and in your elbows, every single cell of the body, the soul is penetrating. The soul is giving energy to, but the energy is not really absorbed by the body because no relationship here. Can't talk the same language. Then the soul is minimizing herself. And now we have the first expression that the body can actually get, the body can appreciate. And that is the brain, because the brain is the most spiritual part of the body. The brain, like the soul, is moving upward. The brain is moving upward to understand, and the soul is moving upward to godliness, but they're both in the same movement. The brain is far more refined than anything else in the body. So the first expression of the soul, after she has minimized herself, after she has completely spread to every aspect of the body without being able to perceive it all, is in the brain. And in the brain, the soul gives life to the brain, and the soul gives the ability for the brain to function, and the soul gives the brain everything she's going to give everything else in the body, which means all of the powers that she will, when she minimizes herself further, give to vivify every cell of your body are in the brain, which is why the brain has this ability to rule the body. Like we say that the mind can rule the heart, that the passions of the heart can be controlled by the mind. Why? The Rebbe is saying because the brain is the source of all the energies of the entire body, including the heart. And therefore, since she's their source, she has natural rulership. Then the soul constricts further, and now she's able to relate to every specific organ, part, cell, vein, sinew of the body, giving each part exactly what they specifically need. And this is a concept I've spent a long time explaining, meaning it's not that there's a certain amorphous energy that comes from the soul. And that same energy is given to your toes and your eyes and your ears and your nose and your fingers. But the fingers use this energy to exist and to flex and to grip. And the eye uses this energy to exist and to see. And the elbow uses this energy to exist and to bend. No. That's not what's going on. From the soul, each and every body part is receiving two levels of energy the energy of life, the energy to exist, 
and the energy to do their specific functions. And that energy is specific to that part of the body, meaning the eye is giving something different than the ear, which is giving something different than the toe, which is giving something different than a nail, which is giving something different than a skin cell. Each part of your body is given exactly what that part needs to do her job. And the Rebbe says, I can prove it to you. Because remember, this is all coming from the brain. The soul in the brain is where the energy is coming from to then vivify and give the specific job abilities to every part of the body. And therefore, the Rebbe says, the brain can sense each individual body part and identify it. Because as the soul energies leave the brain, it's directed to each specific part specifically. But if it was this amorphous energy that every single part of your body gets the same, but then each one of them sort of transform it to be the energy of their function, and when it goes back to the brain, like if something in your body is hurting, the brain wouldn't be able to identify it. They don't know what that something is. Because on the brain's level, it's all the same. It's only when the energy's reached the eyes, the ears, the nose, the toes, that the energy got transformed. But that's not the case. Because if there's a pain, I can identify where my body comes from. And the reason I can, the Rebbe is saying from a spiritual perspective, is because the energy that's vivifying and giving the functionality of that, of that part of the body left the brain with a very specific address. Now, why is this so amazing that the Rebbe spends so long discussing this? Because the Rebbe says, it almost seems like impossible. Because the soul at this level is so non-complex. She's so simple. What do we mean by simple? We mean like beyond differentiation. In other words, differentiation means you can be put in boxes. We can actually break you down to parts, and different parts get in different boxes. And that means you're already limited enough to fit into all those boxes. But the soul is too big for that. Remember, first the soul enters my body and she's so vast. She can't even, she's energizing, but not really energizing because the body can't really absorb what she's giving because she's so vast. And then she minimizes herself and can be expressed in the brain because the brain is the most spiritual part of my body. And then there needs another tremendous minimization. And then she can be expressed in each body part, giving it life and giving it its functionality. But even at this level, which is, already, you know, one, two minimizations from herself and the third level of her relationship to the body, she's still pushing, meaning she's still beyond differentiation. But if she's so beyond differentiation, then how does she relate to each body part specifically? And the basic answer the Rebbe gives is that even though the soul is so absolutely remote and abstract from any boxes, from any parameters, from any differentiation. And for the soul as she is, the eyes and the toes are the same, meaning they're all boxes and she's all completely beyond them. But within her as she is, in a latent state that she's unaware of, that she's not, she can't even perceive because she's so pushed, she's so remote from this, there is the potential 
of all the parts of the body within her. And because of that latent potential that she's truly not aware of, because she's so beyond it, from that space, she's able to, when she minimizes herself enough to come down to relate to every single part in your body, she's actually able to give every single body part specifically, exactly, uniquely, what that part needs to do its function. Now, that was the Tanya of today, in brief, because it's long and has a lot of details. All of this we're going to use sorry, tomorrow to understand God in creation, meaning, and that's what I'm going to just briefly review to make sure because there were also a lot of details that I said today. We're saying the soul is too big for anything in my body expresses herself in all my body parts and the body isn't even aware of it, then minimizes herself and is expressed in the brain and completely expressed in the brain that everything she doesn't give the entire body is expressed in that brain and then minimizes herself further and then gives to each body part exactly, specifically, uniquely what that body part needs. Not generic for every part of the body but very, very, very specific to that part's job and function is the energy that part is receiving to exist and to function from the soul. That's the basic components of the muscle, the metaphor. And right. Tomorrow, we'll look at the nimshal, which means what we really want to talk about, which is how God relates to creation. Any questions? Okay.